you have your Bibles today and would like to follow along, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm, I'm covering, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm covering from chapter 27 of Matthew, uh, verse 50, all the way to chapter 28 and verse 15. That's what we're talking about, but I'm only reading chapter 28, verses 6 through 10, uh, for time's sake. And this, these first four words, are, let's say four, five, six, seven, eight, first eight words are exciting words. And it ought to be exciting for us, as I said earlier, not just on Easter Sunday, but all the time. And those first eight words are, He is not here, for He is risen, as He said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And, and watch this. It says, and did run. They ran to bring his disciples word. These were the women. And I don't know how old they were, but could you picture uh, four or five of our, you know, Miss Pat Dale and, 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 and Pat Bennett and my wife and a few of these other ladies. Can you picture them running to tell somebody that Jesus is risen? And you know, that, that excites me. That's really what we ought to be doing. We ought to be running with the gospel of Jesus Christ to tell others. And uh, let me see, now I lost my place. Go quickly and tell his disciples. And uh, it says, And did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. And from those from this whole passage, some of them I didn't read, I wanted to speak to you today on the purpose and the proof of His resurrection. After six hours on the cross, Jesus cried, It is finished. And the Bible says He gave up the ghost. And, and that reminds me of what He said, No man taketh my life, but I lay it down. He was in complete control of His death. You and I can't do that. But, but He was. He cried, It's finished, and gave up the ghost. And, and this was not the end of the one who was in the beginning with God. This was not the end of the one who is the first and the last. One who is the Alpha and Omega. This was just the beginning. And so uh, he, he gave up the ghost and some thought that when Jesus was gone, Christianity would die. You know, it'll just all fizzle out. It'll just all go away. But a little bit later on, we read where the disciples were turning the world upside down 
telling them that Jesus had risen from the grave. And, you know, they thought it would die. And uh, they, they thought, well, will, will man continue down the, uh, this road of Christianity? Will, will they continue down the, the sin-paved highway to hell with no hope? He was in the grave. He died. And I'm here to remind you today that although almost everyone, including most of the disciples or all of the disciples, thought that it was over. But when they thought it was over, Jesus shouted, Over my dead body! And He got up out of that grave and walked back into life. He conquered death, hell, and the grave and rose again just like He said He would. Just like He promised. It, you know, it's very interesting that after Jesus cried, it's finished and died, that from that point forward, none of His enemies were allowed to lay a hand on Him. They didn't. You check it out. They beat Him. They buffeted Him. They spat on him. They slapped him. Everything you can think of, they nailed him to the cross. But when he said it is finished, it's almost as if God said, all right, hands off. You don't touch him anymore. They didn't even take him down from the cross. And it was a custom that they would usually come through when the victim had died, uh, or was about to die rather, that they would break their legs. And that way they couldn't push up anymore to get a breath. And they would suffocate. But when they got to Jesus, His legs were already broken. <laughs> no, I'm saying that wrong. He was, he was already dead. And they didn't break His legs to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy that not a bone in His body would be broken. Isn't God's Word great? Isn't it true? All the way, like I told you last week, you know, people, scholars, so-called scholars, they say, now we had a perfect book in the original manuscripts, but over the years it has gone downhill. And it's not perfect anymore, just parts of it. No, it ain't. It's still perfect because God said He would preserve His Word and keep it. Now, either He did or He didn't. I say He did because He said He would. And we still have a perfect Word of God. And let me throw this in, in the King James Version. Why? Because that is the it was translated from the received text. From the Textus Receptus. From the majority text, some call it. And so, yes, it was true in the original. It's still true in the English translation of the Bible. Uh, that we have before us. You can believe the Bible. You can believe it. It's true. And so, they didn't break his legs. That's what the Bible had prophesied. But not only did they not break his legs, but the Bible says they pierced him. They pierced his side up in the chest cavity and outflowed blood and water. Water indicating that he died 
of congestion, heart failure, or a broken heart as he hung there on the cross and thought of us, thought of the world ahead, and I believe he did. I like that old song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Even though his eyes were on the crowd that were gathered there, he looked ahead in time and he saw old Howard. He saw you folks, all of you, and the whole world that he was dying for. And when he was on the cross, we all were on his mind. And I want to tell you that that blood that flowed out, that's why we can sing today, there's power in the blood. Power in the blood. And I like that song that says, the blood will never ever lose its power. It's still strong. The same blood that saved the... 5,000 there on the day of Pentecost, or 3,000 there at the day of Pentecost and saved our ancestors is the same blood that washed away my sin. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's the same blood that can wash away your sins. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain. All the blood will never lose its power. It outflowed then. It's still outflowing continually to wash away our sins. And you know, uh, not only did they not break His bones, but they didn't even take Him down from the cross. The Bible tells us that there was a fellow named Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, who came uh, before Pilate and begged for his body. And Pilate gave him permission to go there and take the body down and prepare it for burial. And he was joined by old Nicodemus, third chapter of John. The Bible says he came to Jesus by night. Uh, So we could call him Nick at night. He and, and Joseph, both of them probably secret disciples, but never, nevertheless, they were believers. And they came and took the body and wrapped it for burial and laid it in the garden tomb, in Joseph's tomb. I could say a borrowed tomb. If you know the Lord today, that cemetery plot that you have bought and paid good money for it, you're only going to use it for a little while. It's just borrowed. <laughs> I'll get to that. I'll get to that a little bit later. But, uh, but they, they uh, put him in that grave. And then the Jews went to Pilate and said, you know, we remember something. He said that if, we, if you killed him, that in three days he would come back to life. Now what, what amazes me is that the twelve disciples forgot about that. Uh, those two on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, Jesus said, why are you so sad? I want to ask you today, why are you so sad? Jesus is alive. Amen. He rose again. And so... They were sad, but these Jews that didn't even believe, they remembered what Jesus said. Hey, He told His disciples that He'd rise again the third day. So we want you to seal that tomb and put guards up around it 
just in case those disciples come and steal his body away. Are you kidding me? Those disciples go out there where there was guards. They were already under hiding. They were hiding. so They didn't want anybody to find out where they were in case they wanted to come and kill them uh, too. Uh, so they, they, were, they were in hiding and they weren't going to go there to steal that body. It wouldn't be very good news. The gospel means good news. It wouldn't be good news if he died and is still dead, still in the grave. He didn't rise again. That wouldn't be good news, but I'm glad we got good news today, and I better hurry if we're going to get through here by 1 o'clock. But I wanted, wanted to talk about the purpose of his resurrection from the dead. Number one, he was resurrected as the single sign of his deity. Amen. Jesus wasn't just another man walking around out there. He was the God-man. He was the God who became flesh and dwelt among us. He said, I and my Father are one. The Bible says, uh, in the Old Testament, it says, Hear, O Israel, thy God is, is one. They don't believe in the Trinity because they don't see how three could be one, but it is. You know, it's kind of like, uh, what is that formula for water is H2O. So you got two H's up here, hydrogen and hydrogen. They're, they're one. They're one and the same. Down here you got the oxygen. That's uh, oxygen is, is breath. That's, that's wind. That's the air that we breathe. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and breathed on them. That's the O. That's the oxygen of God. That's the breath of God. So you got two H's and one O, and they all three make water. That life-giving substance that everybody has to have in order to live. You can get by a little while without food, but you can't get by without water. And Jesus is that living water. He is God. Great is the mystery of godliness, Paul said to Timothy. God is manifest in the flesh. He is God. He is deity. He claimed to be God. Thomas said, uh, Lord, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And Jesus said, Thomas, have I not been with you all this time and you haven't seen me yet? He was saying, we're one. I am God. I am Deity. Uh, you know, many people have claimed to be Christ over the years, but not a single one of them ever arose. Many in the Old Testament throughout the Bible worked miracles, but they're dead somewhere and in a grave. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. 
The Antichrist who will come will do miracles. But there's only one. Only the resurrection could prove that Jesus was who He said He was. He said, uh, uh, you want a sign? He said, I'll give you only one sign. That's the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonah was in the belly's well, <laughs> the well of the belly, for three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Romans chapter 1, verse 4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So, He is declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. That's how we know. He was raised. And then His resurrection verifies the Scripture. The Bible falls apart if He had remained in the dead, in the, dead, in the grave. The Old Testament made many predictions about His coming and conquering de death. And the odds were against the, the idea that the Jews would kill their own Messiah. And no one had beaten death before until now. Until now, He became, as Chris taught us in Sunday school, He became the first fruits of them that slept. Amen. Oh, Lazarus was raised. few others were raised, but they had to die all over again. Jesus died to live forevermore, and He's alive today sitting at the right hand of the Father. And then His resurrection secures our future. John 14, 19, Jesus said, Because I live, ye shall live also. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. We have hope in death. Everyone here has been to the cemetery to bury somebody that was near and dear to your heart. Some family, some friends, maybe your parents, your grandparents. But they're not going to stay in that grave. You're not burying them absent from the body, present with the Lord. When I died, this Soul and spirit is going to be with the Lord. The body's going in the grave, but it ain't going to be there long. It ain't going to be there forever. It's going to be resurrected. It's going to come up from the grave incorruptible. A new body fashioned like unto His glorified body. We have hope because He conquered death. We can too. The resurrection completes the gospel. And then number four, the resurrection starts his ministry of high priest. Paul said to Timothy, there is just one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And then Hebrews tells us that uh, we have a great high priest uh, in heaven that sits on the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. You realize what you have in Jesus Christ? The Bible tells us that our body is His temple. Do you know who's living in you? That's this mediator is living in there. 
That's this intercessor living in there. Even though he's at the right hand of the Father in heaven, he's also in your heart. I, I guess it was a little while ago I mentioned the fact that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is his temple. And, and old Isaiah said, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's who you have in you. You have the mighty God in you. You have a counselor in you. You have your own private counselor living in you. And you can go to Him and talk to Him and tell Him anything and it ain't going nowhere. I mean, He ain't going to go around blabbing it. You know, I get a kick sometimes and I, I accept those things a little bit leery. Somebody will say, I want to tell you something, but don't tell anybody else. <laughs> well, I'm not. But how many other people are you going to tell the same thing and tell them not to tell anybody else, and then another and another and another, and pretty soon somebody else knows it, and they look at me and say, I told you not to tell anybody. <laughs> I want to say, all right. I won't, but don't you tell anybody else either. But you can talk to Jesus, your counselor, your mediator, your intercessor, and He ain't going to tell nobody else. And you can tell Him anything. Whew! That's who you have in you. You're somebody. As a child of God, you're somebody. I'm glad that I don't have to go to a, uh, you know, the to a priest. And you can look in the Bible. There is no such thing as a New Testament priest other than Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Church don't have any. He gave to some evangelists, some pastors, and so forth. Priest not mentioned there. Because he's our high priest now. I don't have to go to, to some man and confess my sins. I can go right straight to him. I can enter. And you know, the, in this passage that I would have read, it says when he cried, uh, it is finished, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. They tell us that two teams of horses couldn't tear that curtain that separated man from the Holy of Holies, from the presence of God. Only the high priest could go in there. And But now that veil was rent and God did that. Man didn't do it. It was from the top to the bottom. God just ripped it. Opening up the way. And now I can go Boldly, the Bible tells us, into the presence of God with my petitions. I can go to Him in prayer. I don't need a mediator outside of Him. He is my mediator. And so this resurrection started His ministry of high, high priest. And now, it's three proofs. You know, you don't have to put your brain on a shelf to be a believer Amen. in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Our faith is not a blind faith. There are many proofs that would hold up in any court of law. And number one is the change in the life of the disciples. One minute, they're whispering to one another behind closed doors. Did you hear that Jesus rose again? I heard He did. And the next minute, they're out on the street saying, He is risen! He's alive! He's alive! What changed it? They saw Jesus. They saw the risen Lord. One minute old Peter is denying Christ three times saying, I don't know that guy. I'm not his followers. And then he cursed and swore that he didn't know him. And then on the day of Pentecost, Peter was standing up preaching boldly that Jesus was crucified, that He was buried, that He arose again. And He said, you crucified Him to the Jews. And they said, what can we do? He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Christ for the remission of your sins. And while He was preaching, souls were getting saved. What made the difference in Peter? He had an encounter with the risen Lord. Have you had that encounter today? Old Thomas said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to believe you guys until I see Him. And then all of a sudden, Jesus walked through those closed doors. <laughs> Thomas didn't have to walk over there and put his fingers in the, in the nail prints. He just saw them and had the invitation from Jesus. And old Thomas fell on his knees and said, My Lord and my God! He made a difference in the life of Thomas and all of the other disciples. They went out and every one of them gave their life away for the Gospel, for faith in Jesus Christ. I think it was... uh, the History Channel once gave a story about this and, and about the disciples and they said, oh, they made that story up. Let me ask you something. If somebody was standing next to you with a rope in their hand and said, we're going to hang you from this tree over here unless you deny Christ, Would you give your life for a made-up story? I wouldn't. I would say, hey, look, guys, we made that all up. It's not true. I admit it's not true. But they didn't do that. Every one of them died as a martyr for their faith except John. And the reason John didn't was because their persecution just didn't work on him. They put him in a pot of oil and was going to boil him alive and he was preaching the whole time. When they got through, it hadn't killed him. So they took him out of the oil and banished him to the Isle of Patmos and out there he wrote the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. And he died of old age. But I think it was Luke that was hanged from a, uh, a tree, an olive tree, 
Peter was crucified upside down, and uh, every one of them, as I said, died for their faith. And even the Apostle Paul, who became an apostle, he said, born out of season because he was knocked down on the road to uh, Damascus and, and was blinded. And God said, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. You're the apostle of the Gentiles. And when old Paul came down to the end of his time, by the way, most of the uh, epistles that he wrote and filled up our New Testament with were written from prison. He didn't sit there and whine and cry and say, why is this happening to me? He just kept right on doing what God was wanting him to do. And he wrote, wrote down in a book that you and I can read of those things. And once uh, he and another disciples were cast in jail and they got to singing and, and, and praying and, and preaching at midnight and the old Philippian jailer heard that and came in and was saved. Uh, if I was in prison, I don't know that I'd be singing. Unless it's, woe is me. I fall to pieces. That would be me. If I forgot that Jesus was, <laughs> you know, He was put in the grave. They thought they were persecuting him, but actually that's what he planned the whole time. But he came out of that grave. We serve a, a risen Savior. There was a change in the life of the apostles. There ought to be a change in our life because of the risen Savior. They had the testimony the Bible says of over 500 witnesses at one time in uh, 1 Corinthians 15.6. And, and people says, oh, they were just hallucinating. All 500 at the same time seeing the same thing, witnessing to the same thing. You, you ever stop to think the dumb things, the stupid things that the world asks you to believe and just accept by blind faith. <laughs> they want you to think that your pastor was evolved from a monkey. That he used to swing around in the trees. And I did, but not as a monkey. <laughs> as a human... And then others say, oh, this, this world wasn't created. There was a big boom and out popped everything the way you see it. Why does the sun always come up over here and set over there? It's done that for 7,000 years. Why don't it just zigzag all over the place and every once in a while go down here and set over here? It don't do it. Why does the moon do what it does all the time over and over and over again? Why is the sun just far enough away from us to keep us from burning up? Why is it just close enough to us to keep us not from freezing to death? Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth 
And we ask them to believe the gospel. And they say, oh, you got to be stupid to believe that. Not as much as believing in evolution. <laughs> we don't have a blind, dead faith. We, we have a faith that is steadfast and sure. And it's the only faith that will get you into the presence of God. And then another proof is the power in the name of Jesus to transform lives. For 2,000 years, he's, he's not, not, not reformed, but transformed lives. You're a testimony of that. I'm a testimony of that. I know what I used to be. And he brought me from what I used to be to what I am now. And He ain't through with me yet. One day, I'm going to be just like Jesus. I'm going to have a body fashioned like Him. And I'm going to be like Him. And you are too. He's transformed people. He's took the drunk and made them sober. He's took haters and despisers and made them lovers. When I say lovers, I'm not talking about what the world calls love. I'm talking about true agape love. Loving the unlovable. He purified prostitutes. Cleaned up cursing mouths. Every other religion in the world has this one common factor. Their founder is dead. But I thank God today that I can say, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living. Whatever men could, might say, I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. He lives within my heart. Does He live in your heart? This is not just a day that we celebrate so people can get together and have a little egg hunt and, uh, you know, communicate with their family and have food and fellowship. I mean, that's, that's, that's good. But this is a day that we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ looking unto our own resurrection. I'm glad that when... This world, this grace age is over. And the man of sin comes and sets up his rule and his reign. And uh, uh, maliciousness and sorrow and sin rules and permeates this world. I'm glad, I'm thankful that I ain't going to be here. I'm not going to be here. Before all of that, uh, there's trumpets going to sound. And the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord, uh, caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's all because we have a risen Savior. Everything we believe 
is hinged on that fact that Christ arose. Christ arose. He lives. Does He live in your heart? If you don't know Him as your Savior, that same Savior that saved me has the power to save you. And let me add this. If He can save me, He can save anybody. If He can forgive my sins, He can forgive your sins. If He can wash away my sins and cleanse me and make me as white as snow, He can wash away your sins and cleanse you and make you white as snow. If you'll just come to Him. We're going to stand and sing closing hymn. And we invite you to come. Maybe there's some other reason you need to come. Maybe you not for salvation, but for some other reason. We invite you to come to the altar this morning. And let's just celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, the risen Savior. Hymn number 366. Number 366. Jesus, keep me near the cross, there a precious fountain, free to Calvary's mountain in the cross in the cross be my glory till my raptured